So today we are in the third uh, week of this Advent series called The Christmas Box. And we've talked about what it means to unpack the box of our relationships and then to unpack the box of God's provision for us. And today we want to, to unpack the box of our wholeness. Now, when I talk about wholeness, that's a, that's a little different uh, mindset for a lot of us. But in the midst of a global pandemic and a Christmas season in the midst of the global pandemic, it's pretty important for us to understand that, that wholeness is this place where, where it's about our relationship with God spiritually, our relationship with others relationally, and our, our, our relationship with ourselves emotionally. To, to speak down into the depths of who we are and to, and to let God shape us into the whole being that we were created to be. In the church of God, we have talked for over a hundred years about holiness, about what it means to be holy. Um, oftentimes we've quoted the, the passage from First Peter about, be ye holy as I am holy. And, and the fact of the matter is we've not really understood the connection between holiness, H-O-L-I-N-E-S-S, -S, and wholeness, W-H-O-L-E-N-E-S. And so today I want us to spend a few minutes talking about that, looking at it. And as I was prepping, I was trying to, to think about how I could give you a visual of, 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 the, of what it means to find wholeness and a visual of what it would mean to, to know that maybe you're not quite whole. And as I was looking at the passage from Matthew chapter 2 and, and looking at the story of, of Jesus and Joseph and Mary and their trip into Egypt and what took place after they departed, and we'll get to that in a minute, I, I, I suddenly realized God had dumped the illustration right in front of me. You see, over the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, my oldest son had come home to visit with us. And uh, when he was there, uh, he became pretty frustrated with uh, our smart TV. Now, now, the reason for his frustration was that sometimes the show, in the middle of the show, whether it was recorded or it was streamed or whether it was from the, the network, it would just digitize. And, and it would you'd, you'd, it'd just stop. And then it'd start again. And it'd stop, and it'd start again. And, and when that was going on, he looked and he said, does this do this all the time? And we're like, well, yeah, we're just kind of used to it. I mean, you know, when every time it happens, uh, Becky or my wife and I will talk to each other and say, well, you know, maybe, maybe we ought to call the cable company, right, and complain about it. Or maybe we need new batteries in the, in, in the remote. Or maybe, maybe it's just, you know, we bought that TV a few years ago. Maybe, maybe there's something wrong with the TV. And, and, but it's just the two of us there, and, and it really, we just kind of get our way through it and work ourselves through the frustration and not really think about it anymore. But when my son came home to visit, it was, became such a frustration to him that then it's a frustration to us, and, and then we're just like, this has got to be fixed. And so Becky called, and we're going to get a repair person out, somebody from, from the cable company to come and look at it, and, and, the, and when, we, when they got there... The lady went through, and I mean, I actually was like, "Hey, give me, give me more broadband width. I'll, you know, give an extra ten bucks a month. Hey, it's not a problem. I just want this thing to work." 
And the lady went through and she checked all the different places and all the things that were supposed to happen. And, and, then, and then she kept saying, well, this is working right and this is, I don't understand why it's not working right. But let me go out and check the box. Oh, the box. You see, we live in a subdivision, but behind our house is a large cornfield. There are no houses right behind us, and we like that. We like that privacy, but, but the cable comes to our house through a box that's near a light pole next to the cornfield. I tell you that because this lady who was checking all the things in the house and finding that all of them worked pretty well found her way out to the box, and, and she came back in the house pretty quickly. And she said, I need to call someone else. And we said, what do you mean? She said, well, the problem is not with your TV. The problem is not with your remote. The, the, the problem is not with even our service to you or your broadband with. No, the, the problem is in your box, the mice have taken over. And we said, what do you mean? She said, well, we find this here in Indiana sometimes when, when the cable boxes are next to the fields and they come and they harvest the the field, the field mice run into the boxes and make nests in the boxes. And Mr. Robinson, we just want to let you know that it looks like they've been living there for quite a long time. In fact, we think there's a multi-generational family of mice in the cable box. Here's a picture of your box. And when she showed me the picture, the wires, all of the coating. The mice had not only made a nest, they had eaten all of the coating off of the, off the wires in the box. The box on the outside looked just fine. But inside, something had eaten up everything that was supposed to be working in the box. Now you understand why I'm telling you about my silly cable television. Because some of us, some of us, look okay on the outside, but inside, inside something's eating at us. Something's eating up our wholeness. Something is causing things to short out. And if that's you today, I, I just want to let you know you're not alone. You're not by yourself, and you don't have to stay that way. See, for my cable box... They called someone who knew how to come in and put all new wiring in the box. And now suddenly, my TV works better than it's ever worked since I bought it. Because the mice had been in the box even when I bought the TV a few years ago. This morning, I, I want to invite you to join me in looking into God's Word to a story, a story that lets us know how God cleans out the box and how he, how he does it in the midst of something terrible, in the midst of heartache, in the midst of pain, in the midst of suffering. Because if God can't do it in the midst of our trial, if God can't do it in the midst of our suffering, then he's not really God. So listen, as I read for the story from Matthew chapter 2, it's the, it's the time frame right after the wise men have left to return by a different way. And they didn't go to see Herod. They went back to their own country without telling Herod 
where the Messiah was exactly. Listen to what happens. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child and to destroy him. And Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time he had ascertained from the wise men. This was fulfilling what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted. Because they are no more. You see, the Christmas story isn't just the story of beauty and light and hope in the midst of a perfect world. No, no, it's the story, it's the story of hope in the midst of the pain. It's the story of light in the midst of the darkness. It's the story of of the way that God looks at a world that is always, not just during a pandemic, but always in the throes of a conflict between God's will for us and our rebellion against Him. Uh, A world that's always in the throes of of good versus evil, always in the throes of a a polemic that, that separates people, always in the throes of our own personal turmoil and pain. And even though we try to dress it up, and even we try to box it up, and even though we try to to make everything look like it's okay, the, the fact is, it's never okay without Jesus. It's never okay without the baby born in a manger. Oh, you can go for a little while, you can make it work for a little while, but but the reality is, if we really want to be whole, if we really want to to be who we were created to be, then then it requires a connection with Jesus. Years ago, many years ago now, I I got a phone call in the week before Christmas from a single mom in our church. Uh, She had a high school-aged daughter. Her divorce had been very, very difficult and very, very public and had involved infidelity on the part of her husband and he had left, had been gone for a couple of years when I got this phone call. 
She called me one day to say, Pastor, I, I'm, I'm stuck at, at work. I don't have the ability to get to my car. I'm in a meeting, and I, and I rode with somebody else, and I'm trying to get away. But the school just called, and it's near the church, and, and my, daughter, my, my daughter is in trouble. My daughter is in the counselor's office, and she's having a meltdown. And, and the only person I could think of that she trusts was you. Could you go? Could you go and talk to my daughter? I'll meet you there at the school as soon as I can get there. But it's going to take me an hour. To get there. And so I left my office, drove down to the school about five minutes from the church, and I walked into the counselor's office, introduced myself, asked for the young lady, and they took me to a private room where the young lady was sitting, staring out a window at the courtyard full of her classmates, just sitting, weeping. I walked in the door, called her by name, and said, can you tell me what's wrong? She said, I hate Christmas. I said, what, what do you mean you hate Christmas? Christmas is a bunch of bunk, Pastor. I said, it's what? She said, it's just terrible, and all these people out there, they just don't understand. I mean, look at them. I'm just looking at my classmates, and they're all giving each other gifts, and they're getting gifts from their parents, and, and Christmas is just all a, it's all a hype, and it's all, and I'm like, are you having a meltdown because of Christmas? <laughs> she stopped a minute, and she said, no, I'm having a meltdown because my world changed at Christmas. I said, what do you mean your world changed at Christmas? She said, you don't know? I said, remember, I'm, I don't know all of your history. I've just been in town a few years. She said, my daddy left my mama and me on Christmas Day. After we opened the presents, before we would have the meal, he, he sat down. And said to me, I don't love your mother anymore. And we're going to get a divorce. And I'm leaving. The pastor, he, he got up and he walked over and he picked up suitcases filled with his clothes. And he walked out the door. And my life has never been the same. I hate Christmas. Maybe that's who you are. And to be honest with you, when I, when I read the story of what happened in Bethlehem after Joseph and Mary left and went to Egypt with the baby Jesus, and I read about Herod's fury and his anger and his, and his infanticide of killing all of those male children two years of age and under. I, I'll be honest with you, I, I can't read that story and not feel like there's a part of Christmas that we don't understand if all we're talking about is the beauty of the season. But then when I read it again, and when I, when I listen to the words again, and when I hear in my head the cry of the Women whose children were lost. I suddenly remember. It is the darkness that tries to overcome the light. But the darkness can never overcome the light. 
and it's the pain and the suffering and the, and the crossed wires and the, the mixed up pain that we've got inside of our lives that, that tries to take and steal us away. But it's Jesus. Jesus who speaks into the midst of it. God who sent Jesus here who wants us to find a wholeness. And he gives us in this story, even in this story, he gives us a way to be whole. And it starts, it starts with a realization, one that I hope you will discover this Christmas, the realization that, that God knows what's going on in your life. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. He knew what was going on in my high school friend's life. He knows what's going on in the world right now. For those of you who are, are in the throes of hurt and pain and suffering, he knows. He knows exactly what's happened, and he knows what's going on. It doesn't surprise him. I've said this now for many months. COVID-19 did not surprise God. It surprised many of us, but it did not surprise God. And God has given us all the tools that we need, not just to survive this, but to actually grow in our relationship with Him. And it begins with an understanding that He knows what's going on with your life. He's not abandoned you. You're not alone. Listen to the story again. When the wise man had departed, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Joseph didn't know. Joseph didn't know that, that Herod was going to search for the child to destroy him. He didn't know that Herod was plotting against his son. He didn't know that the wise men had gone back a different way. He didn't know how deep the pain was about to be. What he did know was that he had promised God that he would care for his son. What he did know is that he had made a covenant to be obedient to God. What he, what he did know was that he had a relationship with God and that God could be trusted you see, that's, that's the issue for us. We tend to think that our problems, our situation, our struggles, that God doesn't know what's going on. But, but my friend, please hear me. Wherever you are today, whatever's going on in your life, whenever you're listening to us, please know this. God knows what's happening in your circumstance. It does not surprise Him. But, but he is waiting for you, waiting for you to let him in. It, it was a Quaker theologian, Rufus Jones, who wrote a piece many years ago in which he said that, that the difference between God and light is that the light encompasses the plant and it moves into the plant. And the plant doesn't have to do anything except just simply sit in the light. Or the sea, the sea moves up into the, into the coast and it invades the inlet. 
And it comes whether the inlet wants it to come or not. The, the tide rushes in and the, and the light and the sea, they, they come in and they surround. And God surrounds us closer than the light to the plant, closer than the, than the sea to the shore. But, but the difference is this, God won't invade your life. He won't encompass your life unless you are willing to ask him in. See, the light and the sea, they, they, they come in whether they're asked or not. But God, the God who knows your situation, he waits for you to ask him in. So you've got to know. He has a plan for your life. He knows exactly what's going on for you. But the God who has a plan for your life is waiting for you to be open to the plan. He's waiting for you to respond yes to what he's doing. I mean, Joseph, a, a dream, an angel, a commission, a warning, go. But he still had to go. That's why the most important part of this verse, the important part of this chapter is that, is that part where in verse 14, Matthew tells us, and Joseph rose and took the child and his mother by night. Notice that. He had the dream at night. He woke up. He took the child and his mother right then by night. And they departed to Egypt. And they remained there until the death of Herod, the man who was trying to get them killed. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. I, I told you last week that it's always amazed me that the wise men brought the frankincense and myrrh and gold, the resources needed for Joseph and Mary to take the baby Jesus and leave the land they knew and go and live in Egypt and be sustained by the act and the power of God. But what amazes me even more is that God would provide the resources is that God would create in Joseph the kind of heart that would listen, the kind of heart that would be open to the plan, the kind of heart that would respond with action, knowing that, that inside that box, that box of wholeness, there was a place where he could trust God Matthew reminds us that the Old Testament prophets had said that, that the Messiah, the Son of God, would come out of Egypt into Israel. And now he's letting us know that the plan that God had for the world is fulfilled. And the plan that God had for Jesus was fulfilled. And that you and I, you and I, if we are open to God, if we believe that God knows our situation, if we believe that God can be trusted, that, that we, we can discover that His plan for us is better than our plan for ourselves. Some of you listening to me are, are sitting and inside of your spirit, you're questioning right now whether or not whether or not you can really believe what I'm saying, 
Or am I just some guy who's off in a fantasy land? I mean, the realities of life, there is death, there is suffering, there is sorrow. This whole Christian life was never an invitation to a rose-covered path. It's really more an invitation to climb a rose bush full of thorns till you find the flower. And yet, there's something inside of you that's wondering, could I really, could I really believe that story? And what I want you to know is I believe that, that Matthew tells us the story of Jesus and the story of the wise men and the story of Joseph and Mary and, and the story of Herod and his anger and his sinful infanticide and the pain of the, the, the mothers of the little boys who were killed so that we would understand that not only is God with us, and not only does God have a plan, but that God can be trusted, not just during the good times, not just during the, the times when things are going well. I mean, it's easy to trust God when things are going well, but, but, but to trust God in the terrible times, the, the times when innocents are being killed, the, the, the times when justice feels out of reach, the, the, the times when, when society is, is wrapped up in itself and the conflict and the polemic and all of that's going on, and, and, and then those terrible, terrible times, times like these, God can be trusted, not just, not just acknowledged, not, not just sung about, not, not, not just remembered, uh, not, just, not just a peripheral part of it. No, no, no. God can be trusted with everything we've got. That Christmas week, sitting in a high school counselor's office with a young lady who hated Christmas was the beginning of a relationship that would last from her freshman year when we talked through the first few years of college while I was still that young lady's pastor. Over those years, I watched her grow. Over those years, I, uh, along with my wife, Becky, I heard her questions. And uh, along the years, I, I, I listened and watched and prayed and saw God take her pain and God heal her heart and God the God who could be trusted continued continued to not only heal her past but to give her wisdom in her present and to give her hope for her future and to literally change a young lady who was broken and wounded to a young lady who was vibrant and loving and joyful because she learned that not only was God present, not only did God know about what was happening to her, but that God, God had a plan for her life and she could trust not just that plan, she could trust God. And so this morning, 
what I want to invite you to do on this third Sunday of Advent is to let God's Spirit speak to you wherever you are, whatever is happening in your life, no matter how deep your pain, no matter how horrible your experience of life, I want you to discover what she discovered, that the God who knows you better than you know yourself, the God who created you, the God who has a plan for you, that you can trust Him. And when you do, when you trust Him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, He's going to bring joy, deep, overflowing, solid joy. Not the kind of joy that you share at a party on New Year's Eve when everyone goes, yay! Not the kind of joy you, you share in an athletic event when your team's succeeding. Not, not that kind of joy. That's a temporary joy. But a deep, abiding sense of joy. Because you trust God with everything. Here at Eastside, our Advent tradition is to each week light one of the candles on this wreath. The first week it was the candle of hope. The second week, the candle of love. And this week, this week as we are, as we're unopening, as we're opening the box and discovering that no matter how messed up the wiring is in the box, no matter how deep the pain is in the box, Jesus promises us wholeness, and He promises us joy. And this day, we light the candle of joy so that we can claim the promise. Would you pray with me? Abba, Papa, Heavenly Father, Many of the hundreds of people who are listening to me right now are struggling, struggling to believe that you really do know what's going on in the world and in their life. Lord, some of them are, are struggling to believe that you, you really do know them and have a plan for them, that you're a personal God. So right now I'm asking you through your Holy Spirit to speak into their hearts and let them know however, however you choose to do it, Father, however you deem fit, would you let them know that they're not alone, they're not by themselves, the mess in their life is not, not one that, that will take them down if they will open themselves to you. Lord, would you please Give them the kind of joy that comes from trusting you even in the midst of terrible things. Would you teach us how to trust you and experience your amazing joy? Lord, 
it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ that we pray.